Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, June 27th. We are here live. We're opening phone lines right now. Looks like calls are already starting to come in. Jump in and join us. It is a free-for-all today. Um, Probably going to go quick today. We'll either do an hour or I'll stay as long as we have questions. So jump in now. I promise you'll get through. Just pick up the phone and join me. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, anything goes. You're allowed to talk about anything you want. Just pick up the phone, 855-950-3835. Real quick, this is not the topic of my open today. I just want to mention it. It's uh, I'll cover it more tomorrow in the pit. Uh, quite a week last week for the Supreme Court, obviously. Uh, last 18 months or so, there hasn't been a whole lot of good news for conservatives and libertarians, but Supreme Court certainly came through on a couple big decisions last week. Um, the left seems to be losing its mind, but uh, the, the, I don't, I'm not sure why anybody was surprised. Both of those rulings were really easy to predict. Just look at the Constitution. Those two rulings were really easy to predict, and everybody seems to be so shocked. But again, I'll cover that more tomorrow. Just wanted to mention that. Um, You could talk about politics if you want today. I'm not going to. I do want to talk about the industry and what we're going through right now and what I expect to happen. So um, the news isn't good. Looking at uh, all the data on rates, the rejection rate continues to fall. What does that mean? That means that when there are contracted rates, those contracts aren't really binding. Yeah, we agreed that we'll pull this load every week till next year, whatever. It's not really binding on either the shipper or the carrier. For the most part, contracted freight gets moved the way it's supposed to. But a lot of times carriers will just say, yeah, we don't have any trucks available, you know, do something else with it. When carriers are doing a lot of that, when they're rejecting a lot of their contracted freight, it's because they're putting trucks out onto the spot market because the rates are better. You know, that's somewhat unusual, but we just went through a period where for quite some time, those spot market rates were significantly higher than contracted rates. And a lot of companies, honestly, you know, left their shippers in the lurch and chased a higher rate. We've talked about that with with certain carriers. Uh, two I can think of, we talk about a lot on the show, so I'm familiar with their operation. Uh, Landstar and Ploger, we heard from Joel. They don't do that. They're very loyal to their customers. And even though they could go chase those higher spot market rates, they tend not to. Those kind of companies usually make it through these rough times much easier because of those practices. But we saw a lot of people jumping ship and chasing those spot market rates. And now that rejection rate is starting to fall. What? No, it's not starting to fall. It's continuing to fall. It's been following, falling for quite a while. The rates in the spot market are 
absolutely atrocious, honestly. Most people don't realize it yet because the fuel surcharge is propping up those rates. Those rates are ugly. I can tell you there are a lot of people um, that are not prepared for this at all, do not understand how tough it's going to be to operate in this environment. And many of them, no matter what we would tell them now or what they do, aren't going to make it. It's too late for many. Today, though, I do want to talk about the people it's not too late for. How do you know if that's you or not? We are heading into a really tough time Honestly, I don't even know for sure how to predict this because there's just too many things that we've never seen before in the past. Too many numbers setting records, too many unknowns going on. Um, In my opinion, when you're in a position like this, you have to get very, very conservative and you have to prepare for things that maybe seem a little crazy to prepare for. I'm going to talk a little bit about preparing in business and you know, in our personal lives as well. So, you know, if, if I go back and, you know, 2017, 2018, we really started saying it looks like we're nearing the end. Yeah, we might have been about, you know, four years off, but it's here. And I don't think there's any doubt it's here now. Back then, I said the same thing I'm saying now. There's too many things we don't understand, too many numbers that don't make sense. So it's time to get conservative, pay down debt, save cash. I've been saying it for four years, I sound like a broken record, pay down debt, save cash. Well, it's really probably too late for most people to make much headway in that area right now. In fact, I would not recommend as much anymore paying down debt and saving cash. If you have debt with fairly low interest rates, I might just let the debt ride for now and preserve your cash rather than paying off that debt. Now, that's individual. I may I just made a blanket statement, but that's the way you should be thinking. If you have any questions about that, you can call me. <sighs> Some people, it, it's already too late. But here's, here's part of the problem we're going to see right now. I see a lot of owner-operators saying, um, just let the freight sit, force them to bring the rates back up. The rates are not coming back up. And if you think by parking your truck or not taking this freight, you're going to have any impact, I hope you've got a lot of money in the bank. The problem with this cycle this time is we are way over capacity, in my opinion. The really good rates and the low fuel prices allowed a lot of people to get into business that probably wouldn't have before, allowed a lot of them to stay in business because rates were so high. That's one reason we have too many trucks. Another is that there was a lot of money put into the economy. So company drivers who may have been getting stimulus or other money being handed out like it was growing on trees, many more became owner-operators than normal. Many owner-operators leased to carriers went out and got their own authority. We had PPP money and idle loan money that allowed owner-operators to buy more trucks and expand. Now, if you think it's tough 
owning a truck in a market like this when you've never been in a market like this, and most owner-operators haven't, it's even worse for these owner-operators who decided to become fleet owners during this time, who went out and bought trucks because they had a lot of money, a lot of cash was available, borrowing was easy, and rates were good. So we've got a lot of these new small fleets that have no experience. They're going to go quickly. But they're not going to go quick enough. That's the problem. There's too many trucks. And if you think about it, it is easy to keep running a trucking operation that's struggling. And that's what happens. These people aren't going to look at this and go, oh, you know what? I'm not going to make it through. I better you know, try to liquidate and get out of this with as least amount of damage as possible. Although that's what I want to talk about today. Most people are not going to say that. It's human nature. We don't give up. Most people don't give up. They jump in and they just keep pushing and pushing and they put off repairing trucks and they, they struggle and try to survive and they do this right till the very end, and then they lose the trucks and the equipment. But it's going to be a while. There's going to be a lot of trucks that are going to stay in this market, um, and that's going to make it harder for everybody. So you have to really decide, can you make it through this or not? And then you have to be willing to make really tough decisions. Give you an example, personal example. We've got to go back a ways here. Um, I bought my first truck in the mid 80s. Um, By early 90, 91, um, my brother and I had kind of combined forces, um, put our trucks together. We had 11 total between us. We bought a service truck and and actually we built a service truck to do oil changes and truck washes and light maintenance, mostly for our own trucks because they were scattered all over. And then we started doing some outside work with it. We were brokering freight. We were working as an agent uh, for a couple carriers. Um, We had a lot going on and unfortunately, we really weren't very profitable at all. We had a lot of revenue coming in. Yeah, and that's, that's what happened just in the last couple of years. A lot of revenue coming in makes you feel like you are just killing it, like you really know what you're doing. That's what I thought. I, I didn't have a clue. Um, I almost waited too long, but I, you know, I was young. I was willing to work really hard. I, I, I did really, you know, stop and think through when I realized things were not going well. Um, I was told by a couple of uh, bankruptcy attorneys, there's no way you're going to get out of this. I was really in debt and things were looking worse all the time. Prices went up, fuel shot through the roof that year. It went over $1.25 a gallon when I say it shot up. But we had been used to 80 cents and there was no fuel surcharge at that point. Not till we went over $1.25. So it was a pretty rough year and I knew um, I was really struggling and I had to make a really hard decision. Um, And luckily I made it, man, it felt like in the nick of time. I think if I, certainly if I would have waited another month, I, I probably wouldn't have been able to save it. I was that close. But I made a tough decision. We, we, uh, my brother and I broke up the company. He took a couple trucks, went and did his thing. Um, I kept two trucks, went back to driving full-time, one of them myself. 
and started over and started to dig out of that hole. And I learned more. It took me about four years, actually, to dig out of all that debt and really start growing the company again. I learned more about business in that four years than all my other years combined. That was a a tough time, and I'm really glad I went through it. A lot of people are in that position right now and should really take the time to decide whether or not you can make it through what's coming. Because if you can't, or it just doesn't look like you can't, like the odds aren't that great, you're probably not willing to, maybe you're not willing to sacrifice anything or sell things or give stuff up or whatever, but take the time now to decide. The only way I know how to do this are with numbers. You have to know your business numbers. You have to know your personal numbers. And then we can look at it and say, okay, realistically, how much net revenue do we believe we can generate from the business when the rates hit the bottom? And we have to make some predictions, but we can come pretty close to this. And it's really not that difficult. It just takes time. And then we can say, okay, that's how much revenue can be generated, net revenue. Then how much does it cost you to pay your bills and not go bankrupt in your personal life? And then we can compare the two numbers and start making some decisions. The sooner you do this, the better you're going to be. It's not going to be long and it's going to be too late for this. We're getting closer all the time. So uh, I could certainly talk more about that. I have some more notes here, but the calls are starting to come in. Um, I'll set this aside for right now. I may come back to it, but uh, as long as we have calls, we'll find out what's on your mind. So if you want to jump in right now, go ahead. 855-950-3835. Let's start off in Iowa today. Brandy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Kevin. I have uh, two questions. Uh, first one is um, you had you talked about a while back a uh, product called um, Unfair Advantage. I kind of wanted to have it on hand. My hazmat uh, endorsement is due next year, and Illinois has a floating test. You can't memorize the test. Got to memorize the book. It was very stressful. And then I, I discovered that it's no longer there. It's called Bulletproof. And then I heard you the other day, you were talking about that you were using, I think, your brand uh, to strengthen your memory as well as, you know, sharper, sharper memory. And I just kind of wonder, um, as you had talked about that unfair advantage, I'm just, and that's no longer available, then I would be using what you have. No, I I may have kind of confused two different things there. So I have found that there are two supplements that really help my brain work better. Uh, And I can feel it. I've tested all kinds of things. Actually, there's a whole new group of supplements called nootropics. And the idea is these are all supplements that help your brain work better remember things better, think clearer, think faster, all kinds of things. Um, I've tested a bunch, uh, most, yeah, maybe do a little bit. Two, I've found that really work well for me. One is brain octane, and I think that's where you're getting confused. Um, Brain octane is a bulletproof product. We still have brain octane. We've talked about making our own just because 
there's nothing special about this product. I can go buy this exact product in 250 gallon totes. It's really a commodity. Um, it, it's one one of the fats pulled out of coconut oil. Um, basically, it's C8. I've explained it many times before. It, they, you know, Bulletproof did an awesome job of marketing, called it brain octane, but it really, it's a commodity. I, I could buy this stuff. We'd put it in bottles. It'd be the exact same thing. We'd be able to sell it cheaper. We'd make a little more money. It's just a big project that I've never gotten around to doing. So we still have brain octane. Now, Unfair Advantage is also a Bulletproof product. It is available. I, I have some right here in front of me. I take it every day. Every weekday, I don't take it on the weekends. Um, I've said many times, if I were driving truck, I would not be taking this every day. Mostly just because it's really expensive. It's, you know, I take two little ampules. I couldn't find it on Amazon. uh, Well, go to to Bulletproof. Okay. They changed the name, I believe. Well, unless they just did it recently, I I have a subscription, so I get enough for the month delivered every month. I don't even have to order it anymore, and I just got one in okay. um, less than a week ago, and right on the side of it, it still says unfair advantage. Okay, I'll just have to do more homework. Okay. Um, the other thing is uh, hey, what, I live let me, in Iowa. Let, a lot- let, let me address something on that. You know, Amazon is really convenient. There's no doubt about it. And I order a lot from Amazon. But when I find a vendor who, yeah, maybe their stuff is available on Amazon. And a lot of times you, you, you should be careful because a lot of stuff being sold on Amazon is not authorized to be sold. There are people that buy this stuff up. They buy expired lots of things and then they just post them up there and they make a ton of money and, or they don't, I don't know, but customer service sucks. You might be getting outdated product. If I have a company that sells direct on their website and sells on Amazon, most of the time, unless I'm just putting in a big Amazon order and I want to throw it on there, you know, but I try not to do that. Try to go directly to their website and order from them. Um, and like I said, it, it's very possible that you can get unfair advantage on Amazon one week and then you can't get it for a while because a lot of those sellers are not authorized sellers of the product. They just found a cheap you know, lot of it somewhere, bought it, and when it's gone, it's gone. But if you go to Bulletproof, you will find unfair advantage. Okay, I'll do that then. All right. The other one is um, I live in uh, Iowa, the Quad Cities, uh, Illinois. I live in a zone four. I've always wanted to have a quaking aspen tree. So I was over in Sydney, Nebraska, and this is a zone three tree. Got an eight foot tree right here in in my cab. I'm on my way home. I am home and I'm going to plant it. uh, And I didn't know. So my question was, as my idea is to put it in in one of these um, plastic or either an actual wood uh, whiskey barrel one and fill it with sand and then put uh, soil on top of it. And the sand would be to keep the moisture because it's supposed to be watered once a week. That doesn't work too well for me. And it was cheap enough to basically be an experiment. But I just kind of want what your thoughts are on um, doing this. I think it's a great idea. Um, 
the the yeah. I, I with how big does this tree get? Is it some sort of a dwarf variety? Well, the quaking aspen grows from fifteen to thirty feet. It's one of these uh, mountain trees. They're the first tree to turn yellow. They they're yeah, called I, quaking aspen because the leaves sort of quake. I, I absolutely love this tree. Um, when I lived up in when you live up at elevation way up, that's where aspens tend to grow. So when I was up in elevation right. in Colorado, I absolutely loved these trees. They're just beautiful. They turn that bright absolutely. yellow gold, and then they're they're they call them quaking because the leaves, in even just a little bit of a breeze, they the leaves flutter and the color shimmers when you see it. They're they're just gorgeous. Yeah, um, absolutely. That's yeah. So <laughs> yeah. a couple things I would recommend, honestly, before you plant this thing. Um, the other day I mentioned the company, Dr. Jim's J I M Z. Um, he has two products that will really help this tree thrive when you transplant it into whatever container you're going to put it in. Um, one is called planting tabs. They're these little tablets and what they are, you know, we talk about good bacteria and gut bacteria and how important it is. These are bacteria for plants. They, the bacteria do something with the roots of the plant so that they absorb moisture and nutrients so much better that you can use a lot less moisture and a lot less nutrients. So, and all you do is you stick them in the ground and you put the plant right on top of them, the root ball. With a tree, I think you might put, I don't know, four or five of them down there. Um, and then he also makes a really okay. good plant food called Tree Secret. It's a liquid plant food. So it's easy just to mix up in a, you know, little watering can. And, you know, once a week, water it with that watering can uh, and that plant food. The other thing you may want to consider, and this really is not that difficult to do, and it's not that expensive, where where you're going to put this tree, since it's going to be in a container and you'll be able to move it around somewhat, I know it won't be easy, but will, right. will you have a, a an outdoor water spigot somewhere nearby? I live in a mobile home and uh, things are old, <laughs> so we use I use uh, gallon jug water. Um, I uh, uh, and I don't intend to plant it in the ground because right. it's not technically mine. I really want to keep it in a planter. I like your idea of keeping things off the ground. That does seem indeed you, to work. Yeah, planters. Planters and I, I'm using a lot of new fabric pots this year, and and you know keeping. I saw them. Yeah, yeah, keeping things up off the ground does have a lot of advantages. What I was going to say is if there's a water source anywhere nearby a spigot, it is really easy for like 30 bucks. I could set up an automatic watering system for that container. It would just water itself. Right. So what about the what about wet sand as the yeah. moisture uh, place? Yeah, if you're going to do a whiskey barrel, the depth of a half, and and I have, uh, I think, six of those. I think I bought three old whiskey barrels, cut them in half, use them as planters. I love them. I put a couple around the neighborhood, put flowers in them every year. Um, I I would only put, since this is a tree, you, you want quite a bit of soil there. I mean, trees grow pretty deep roots. So I would yeah. say maybe... A, a very small layer of sand at the bottom, probably no more than about five or six inches. 
and then soil and that and make okay. sure you drill some holes in the bottom of the uh the whiskey barrel too or you won't have any drainage so you drill some holes in the bottom five or six inches of sand um soil on top of that so if it needs to be watered weekly and i'm home every two weeks uh, i use those water gloves i can't imagine I, for a tree but uh yeah. No, I was just going to say, if right you here. don't, like I said, if you have a water source nearby, we could set up automatic watering for 30 or 40 bucks. If you don't have that, the right. water globes are probably your best idea. Okay. The other thing that's possible to do, if you go to gardeners.com, they have some things that turn planters into kind of so basically what you're going to do is you would buy water reservoirs and they have different sizes you can kind of mix and match now what you're going to do is you're going to put your sand on the bottom you're going to put these self-watering reservoirs and then you're going to put your soil over that and they give you a way to fill those reservoirs and then it waters from the bottom up which is better for plants anyway uh, and you can build a planter like this to kind of make it a self-watering planter that would last for two weeks. Okay, good. That sounds good. Those are good ideas. Thank you, Kevin. That's why I said there. I'm learning things from you, so good. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for the call. You know, um, speaking since the first question today was about gardening, and you can talk about anything you want today, um, I did do a gardening video last week, and I talked a little more about gardening. Um, and I asked, are people really interested in this topic? I don't I, – I – my God, I could do videos and talk about the garden all day long. I'm kind of obsessed with mine. Um, I'm actually looking at a uh, master class in gardening right now with the goal being learning how to harvest food 12 months out of the year. So that's my big garden project. Every year I've tried to do a big garden project. Like last year it was moving from buying all my seeds to trying to collect as many seeds as I could. Uh, another project was trying to make sure I can create all my own compost. I think I've got that one um, pretty well underway. Uh, so my big project this year is looking forward to the fall garden and figuring out what I can plant and how I can plant it and actually harvest throughout the winter. So uh, I'm thinking about taking a master class, but I wanted to get some feedback to, is this something people want to hear about because if not i won't do it i mean I, and i'll like a lot of things now the beauty of our new platform is we can do things in separate shows so i may add a once a month gardening show make maybe we'll make it always live video i don't know but um the reason I brought it up is because I got a lot of feedback from people. I was actually blown away. People really, really want to hear more of this stuff. Now, um, my other top, maybe I'll come back to it because my other topic today was going to be about food and um, food security and that kind of thing. Um, but I want to make sure I get to your calls. So if you want to jump in, you can. I may bounce back and forth between calls and uh, the topics I've got today. Uh, pick up the phone and join us. I promise you'll get through 
950-3835, and we do have lines open. Let's go to Nevada. Bradley, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning, Kevin. How you doing today? Doing good. What can I help you with? Well, Kevin, I got a dentist appointment today, and I've been listening to you for quite some time, and I was curious as your opinion on filling. It looks like I'm going to have to have one done, and I've had really good luck with my teeth. I'm I don't have any, but there's silver, composite, ceramic. What's your opinion on that? Um, I would stay away from silver. I would probably, composites aren't bad. I think ceramics probably our best bet. Um, Ceramic just doesn't really interact biologically at all. Um, Silver has some things that we really, but ceramic is like, very inert like it it just doesn't react it doesn't um it's a really stable um material so i i would go with that the other thing you can do we're starting to see more and more of this now i realize um you know we can't really see a virtual dentist other than maybe just for some consultation and some questions. You know, dentistry is hands-on. Somebody's got to physically do it. But we are starting to see a lot more um, kind of holistic, paleo-based dentists who are, not only do they, you know, believe in that and that's the work they do, they're also kind of leading the way. How should we be doing dentistry? A lot of this we still don't know yet. You know, what is the best way to do this for our health? Um, we had one reach out to us and, you know, may become part of the show as one of our guests. So I I think this is an area where we're going to start seeing a lot more. So you might want to just look around and see if there's a, uh, a holistic dentist in your area somewhere. Okay. Yeah. I've actually done that. And where I live in Northeastern Nevada, there's really not one unless I travel to Reno, Sacramento, you know, somewhere in that area. Yeah, I was going to say, Northeast Nevada, not exactly the uh, Hoppin' Metropolis. No, no, not at all, you know, unless you're in mining. (laughs) There you go. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the other thing you can do as well. You can go do a little research now from these holistic and paleo dentists. Just go read their websites, you know, search for them, even if they're nowhere near you. Um, maybe you could take some information back to your dentist and say, hey, this stuff's kind of important to me. Is there any way we could do this? Right. Okay. Yeah, sure. All right. That'll work, sir. I'm going to go off and do some breathing now. Wim Hof. There you go. Um, do a couple extra rounds for me because, um, I, honestly, I have to say I just forgot this morning. I got up. It's an absolutely beautiful morning outside. I got up early and went out and uh, played a little in the garden and talked to my plants. And um, then I came in and started working on a show idea, and I made a bunch of notes. And... Um, and the next day I know I looked and I'm like, it, it's time to go on the air. I don't have anything set up. I haven't done my breathing yet. So uh, the breathing's going to have to wait till after the show for me. If you want to jump in right now, um, we have calls. The lines just dropped. So uh, pick up the phone right now and join us. 855-950-3835. All right, so um, while I'm waiting for some calls to come in, I'll go back to my topics today. 
Again, if you are in business, if you're an owner-operator, no matter what your model is, maybe you're leased to a carrier, maybe you're on a percentage contract, a mileage contract, maybe you have your own authority, whatever it might be, we are about to go through a very, very difficult time in the trucking industry. I think we're about to go through a very, very difficult time in our economy. And it's looking more and more like um, it's going to be probably at least 18 to 24 months and maybe longer. Uh, it, again, it's hard to predict because we're looking at so many things that we've never really seen before. But here's the good news when we talk about things. I know some of the things I recommend may sound drastic and you may say, oh yeah, I don't need to do all that. Um, here's, the, here's the thing to think about. If you do all the right things during the times like this, there's no downside. If you would have started paying down debt and saving cash back in 2017 when we first started talking about it, no matter what happens now, there would be no downside to doing that. And think about all the upsides. Think about people right now who aren't sitting on a lot of debt, who have some cash. It's a, it's a much better feeling when there's so much out of our control to have something like that in our control. Now, like I said, I think it's probably too late to make much headway financially. Um, doing this, you know, paying down debt and saving cash takes time. And it takes sacrifice and it takes hard work. And clearly you need to work on your finances right now. That's what I'm saying. You have to know where you are first. Can you survive this or should you get out of the business now? It may be one of the hardest decisions you'll ever make, but you should be proactive in this decision, not reactive. That's the real message here. Get prepared. But there's another way that you can get prepared. And I believe we have more time for this one. And this is one of those things that's going to sound like, you know, Kevin's lost his mind again. And um, there is so much evidence, so much evidence that we could be potentially potentially facing some pretty severe food shortages. Now, I know that is a really hard idea to wrap your head around in our country, the United States of America, because I can tell you in my 59 years here, I've never had to think like this. There was never a time in 59 years that I really worried that food is going to become harder to get and much more expensive. Look, all you have to do is look at the prices to know that food has gotten much more expensive already, and the pattern is continuing. It's not getting cheaper. It's getting worse each month. So are you prepared for something like that? You know, when people ask me, what should I be doing with my money? I don't really want to put it in the stock market. I don't really want to buy real estate don't even think about cryptocurrencies. Um, precious metals are not even acting the way we would really expect them to right now. So what do you do with your money? Honestly, 
buy long-term food. I, I honestly, I can't think of a better, you know, approach right now. Long-term food. That means anything you can preserve for a long period of time. Meat can be frozen. Meat can be canned. Um, you can make jerky. You can do all kinds of things with meat. I would start there. And I, I am shocked by the price of meat right now. And it, it just looks like it's going to get worse. But part of our problem with food, and a lot of people, again, if you're not really going out and looking for this, the entire world is facing this. That's going to have an impact on us. And again, I, it seems crazy to be talking about food shortages in the United States, but we're already seeing it. The baby formula shortage. That's just one example. The prices of food going up, the only reason prices go up, it's not because companies got greedy and then decided they could cheat. You can't really cheat the free market when it comes to food. There's so many sources of food. The only reason for the price to go up is that there is too much demand and not enough supply. Not enough supply of food. And if we could easily just produce more food, we would. But we're not. It's not that easy. This is a complicated global problem right now. But we also, one of the things we're seeing, if you understand the agricultural cycle and when things are grown and when they actually get to the market, some of those things have huge lag times. Things like grains that can be stored for long periods of time. Um, you know, even certain produce like apples and onions and things that can be stored for long periods of time. We're not seeing the price increase on those things yet because we had a supply. But we also know that here in this country and around the world, the weather patterns have been kind of strange for spring and we are going to have much lower yields, we believe, this year. There are just, you know, when it comes to food right now, I feel like I'm back in 2017 saying the market's about to turn. Don't know when it's going to happen, but it certainly looks like it's going to happen and it's time to start getting prepared for it. I would say that about food right now. We're at the beginning of that. The signs are all there. I really hope that somehow something changes in our country. I'm not sure what it's going to be right now, though. Um, the elections will have an impact in November. I don't know if it's going to have enough of an impact. Um, and a lot of this may already be out of our control, maybe out of the politicians' control. Um, so here's another area where there's no downside to getting prepared. When you buy the right food, you preserve it the right way, you're going to eat it eventually. And if food prices keep going up, everything you buy now is an investment. If food prices are going up at 8 to 10% a month, everything you pre-buy is like getting an 8 to 10% return on your money. That's almost unheard of. So there's a financial gain to doing this. But there's also the security of doing this. So, 
you know, whether it's all pre-buying, you know, pre-buying some emergency food, but then also setting up your food supply so that your normal everyday food um, that you're working through, you have storage of. You know, I have real true emergency kind of food, stuff that has a 25-year shelf life. Um, I have some of that set aside for absolute true emergencies, but for the most part, I'm just changing the way I buy food, grow food, the garden, so that I just have more access to food and I'm preserving and storing more. I'm going to eat it all. There's no downside to doing this. And I know it sounds crazy, but I don't think it's really all that crazy. Uh, Again, if I'm wrong, and honestly, this is the one time where I hope I have to come on the air in a year and say, you know, boy, I got that one wrong. I really hope I do. If I am wrong, there's no downside to doing the right stuff. Uh, Let's see here. Looks like I got a bunch of calls coming in. Um, Angie, are we screening calls? Where is my uh, system just not updating? Oh, there we go. Okay. Looks like um, calls just started coming in kind of hot and heavy. If you want to jump in and join us, um, I'll either do an hour today or I'll stay here as long as you've got calls and questions. So line them up, 855-950-3835 is the number to join us. Um, Something to keep in mind. It's something I'm going to be talking about a lot more. Um, Real shift in the industry right now, real shift in the economy, and... I would just get as prepared as you possibly can. Let's um, let's go to the phones. Let's go to Idaho. RJ, welcome to the program. Hello. Yep. What's on your mind today? Hey, you were just talking about uh, preparing, or a lot of people use the term prepping, and I find it interesting how that has a, a negative connotation. You know, and uh, I often wonder, is that, do you think it's maybe because of people that aren't somewhat preparing, that's one way to blow you off? Uh, Yeah, there is some of that. People who either, I don't know, don't believe this or don't want to sacrifice what they have to do to maybe be a little more prepared. Yeah, they would rather just say, oh, you guys are nuts. You know, the black helicopters are chasing you. This is never going to happen in America. There is some of that. The other thing, unfortunately, um, most people, their only experience with this prepping um, is the TV show Doomsday Preppers. And it's TV. They made those people out to be, you know, black helicopter, tinfoil hat lunatics, you know, with, and really, really going to extremes on everything with this. And it, so it got that kind of, you know, reputation of just being a bunch of nut jobs. Um, I belong to a couple really good um, self-sufficiency groups on Facebook that 
really it it's just it's not a bunch of lunatics you know hiding in a bunker somewhere it's people who just really enjoy for one thing enjoy being more self-reliant they enjoy learning skills and growing things and and not being so dependent on a big food system or big government or whatever but you're there's no doubt there is this ad. It, it, that's why I say even talking about this, some people are going to go, oh, he's, he's gone off the deep end. I, I, where's the downside, though, to just learning how to provide more for yourself and providing more for yourself? Where, what's the downside to that? Right, Pete. We used to do that for hundreds of years as they tried to get through the winter time and things. And I, I asked my son, Every Sunday when we would go to church, he would complain like the typical, you know, young kid and stuff. And I just say, if you can give me one reason why, one bad thing that could come out of going to church, I'll listen to you and I'll consider it. And it's the same thing, I think. Fortunately, about three years ago, I was just, I don't know, inspired and stuff. I my wife, I'd say, you know, I just got this this desire to start preparing for just having that assurance and security if something does go bad, if I lose my business or whatever the case may be, we won't go hungry. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the Uh, other thing I think that we've grown so accustomed to in this country is that really, I I know there are some exceptions and we hear about, you know, kids going hungry and all this stuff. There's a difference between going hungry and being truly malnourished and not having enough food. We have people in this country who do go hungry. They might not get as much food as they'd like to have. The quality of their food really sucks, but people don't starve to death in the United States. Not, not, you know, not in any recent history and it probably not any time in the near future, but we, we just don't know. You can look at other countries that were wildly successful and now they have issues like that. Venezuela is a, a big example of that. If you understand Venezuela's history, but just the idea of, you know, just learn how to provide a little more food for yourself or or understand that if you're not going to grow a garden, if you're not going to have a backyard flock of chicks, and, and most people aren't, I get it, but that doesn't mean you can't prepare food-wise and stock some things and, and learn about those kind of things. Um, I, I just can't think of any downside to doing that. I concur. I mean, our latest, our latest preparation seemed to be like first aid. You know, so now my wife in the back of her car has a nice outfitted first aid kit. I have one here in the truck, you know, so if I stumble upon an accident, I could possibly, you know, treat somebody and uh, you know who knows maybe save their life or whatever and hopefully you never have to use this stuff 
A- absolutely. So same thing. And, you know, I, I have a really nice and what probably sounds like a really expensive emergency medical kit set up. It's like a back. It's honestly something that, you know, first responders might carry like a backpack with some, some, you know, quite a bit of medical supplies for all kinds of different medical emergencies. And then I actually bought, and I don't buy a lot of physical books anymore because um, I always read on my Kindle, but, you know, books like foraging and some other things, I, I want the physical book. And I have a couple of really, really good medical books for non-medical people. I mean, a couple of books full of all kinds of things you you could do to help somebody in an emergency situation. So I might have spent 400 bucks on the supplies, the backpack and all the stuff that goes in it, maybe another 50 bucks on books. So for under $500, I'm pretty well set up for emergencies, medical emergencies, as good as I can be anyway. Right. Okay, well... I just thought as you were talking about preparing and stuff, you know, I just, you know, like my original question, I was wondering, I wonder why so many people have such a negative I, thought about it and stuff. Other than the, um, you know, like the, uh, what do they call that bias? Where you don't want to really admit yeah. to yourself um, that- anything. It, 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 you just don't want to go there. That, no, and that's so a, then you just try and- You're right. That's a good point. So we have several things going on. One that, you know, the media and, you know, popular culture has made anybody that even talks about this kind of a lunatic. So that's part of the problem. But this is another one. You're right. If you start putting aside meat that has a 25 year shelf life you are now admitting there may become a time where this is the only food i'm going to have available to eat and that's a scary thought for a lot of people so they'd rather just not think about it yeah that normalcy bias that's what i was trying to remember there you go yep yeah that's a really good point there is some of that going on as well all right well you have a good day all right thanks for the call uh, let's uh let's go to Texas this time. BJ, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. Uh, first of all, I have been prepping and stocking up on foods you know, for probably five, six months now. Excellent. Um, my call, the reason for my call is uh, I just heard that we're all running on our uh, reserve gas and fuel. And uh, we don't have uh, maybe a couple more months of diesel left. You ever heard anything on that? Um, well, I know it's an issue. I don't know what the current numbers are. So, you know, I, I talked about this actually, maybe it was the last show on the pit, where, you know, we're, we're, we have a shortage of fuel that is driving inflation of everything. Obviously, when you have a shortage of fuel, it's going to drive up the prices of fuel. But the thing about fuel is fuel affects everything else we do. Energy affects everything we do. So because we have the shortage of fuel, the prices of everything are going up. And 
that is a supply issue. We don't have enough supply. But the only two answers this administration has come up with so far is pull from our emergency supply. Well, wait a minute. If, if you're successful and by releasing a million barrels a day, you actually drop the price, you've just made the problem worse because you haven't increased the supply of fuel. This fuel already existed. It's sitting there for an emergency. You haven't increased the supply. But by releasing this supply, if you manage to drop prices, now you've just increased demand. That's the opposite of what we should be doing. Then they say, oh, okay, well, now they're trying to push through this tax holiday. The tax holiday does nothing to increase supply, but it increases demand. The exact opposite of what we should be doing. So (laughs) it's just insane to me. I don't know where we are on those numbers as far as what we have left, but it was a really bad idea to start taking fuel out of there. Right. And then the next thing you said was uh, having states lift their tax fuel tax, which is not going to do much at all. And now the federal government talking about dropping the federal fuel tax for three months does nothing except make the problem worse. So that's my concern being in the industry, you know, driving um, and they're. We have a shortage of fuel. There's no doubt about it. We run out of that surplus. That means that no truck is going to be able to move, not only fuel, but uh, the deaf also. And we can't drive our trucks to deliver food or anything else. That's going to have an enormous impact on us. Well, here's the other thing we have to think about. The military runs on diesel fuel. Diesel fuel and jet fuel, for the most part, which are very, very similar. And those strategic reserves are for emergencies. And that could be a military emergency. This is just a bad idea all the way around. We should stop taking out of our reserves. We should fill them back up and we should be drilling, drilling, drilling. But it's clear that's not going to happen. This administration right. has been clear. They are not going to increase supply and the elections aren't going to matter. It doesn't matter if the Republicans take over the House and Senate. They can't do anything with Biden in office. We have, you know, two and a half more years of this. Right. right. Yeah, kind of a scary thought of, what, you know, what's going to happen. I, I, you know? I've seen some analysts predict Seven to ten dollars a gallon for diesel is not out of the question. Right. But when we run out, that's even worse. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. So, again, let's go back to what I'm kind of focusing on today, being prepared. One, being prepared in the industry. Could you handle... And somebody's going to go, oh, $10 a gallon for fuel would be awesome. Fuel surcharge, I'll be making even more money. The problem is it kills the economy. There won't be any demand. Yet You might have an awesome fuel surcharge, but you're just not going to be getting a lot of freight until this whole market washes out, which is going to take a while. And then on the food side, 
high fuel prices will drive up food costs even more. Um, if, right. if, if, and that was kind of my message today. If you missed out on the message that I've been harping on for years about saving cash, getting your debt down, if you missed that one, uh, you're probably regretting it right now. Don't miss this one. The next place you can right. have the biggest impact on, on your financial well-being is by making sure you've got enough food. And I would be pre-buying, even if we're not going to run out, even if there's not going to be a shortage. Right. Prices keep going up 8% a month. You know, you're going to eat this stuff. By, the sooner you buy food now, the cheaper it's going to be. Right. Yeah, every weekend when I get home, I buy more food. I just keep stockpiling. Excellent. So, Excellent. And if, if you yeah. can find a local farmer and go in with some family and friends and buy a cow, go do it. Right. Yep. All right, Kevin, that's all I had for you today. All right. That's all I need. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Georgia this time. Cody, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. So I wasn't too bright, and I got into a lease purchase in November of 2020 because I wasn't happy with the way that being a company driver worked out for me. Okay. It was good. Uh, My first year in trucking, I paid off $10,000 in debt, and I was saving cash like you preach. I've listened to you since I got into the truck. You've helped me with the health side of it. Uh, I've talked to you quite a few times on it. We talked about the rebel ice cream and I was oh, yeah. almost down to, uh, okay. So you remember me. Yeah, I do. All yeah. right. Yep. Well, um, so I did that and I knew the rate was bad with lease in the lease purchase and I knew it wasn't the way to go, but I had a bunch of buddies over here at the company that I did it with and they were telling me how great it was and how good they were doing. So I went ahead and do it, did it, and I was like, even at the bad rate that it is, if I can manage the cost of it, once I pay the truck off and I own it, no matter what the market does, if the rates fall, I will know how to operate in a down market. Probably the wrong way to think, well, but that's the way that I've done it. Well, let me address it because we're here. It's already been done. Yeah, I would be giving you different advice if you were asking me before the fact, but let's deal with where we are and uh, your thinking is correct. You're already in this. Let, let's um, now. Well, I got out of it. Oh, okay. All right. So you didn't. Get I'm just truck. curious about what. No, no. Okay. I switched over to company driver because okay. I was looking at the cost that I was getting gross versus what I was getting net yeah. and Things happened in my personal life with my roommate, girlfriend situation, whatever, where she didn't work for a few months and that increased my cost even more. It was multiple things that went down at one time. Right. And I had profit gauges and I grossed a hundred and eighty three thousand dollars, kept fifty seven of it on a hundred and fifty thousand miles. Comes out to thirty eight cents a mile net. But, uh, here, but it hey, just hey, wasn't. First off, congratulations on knowing the numbers so you can make an intelligent decision. 
that, that those numbers Thank tell you. us everything we need to know. I'm sure it was a big part of you making this decision because you knew the numbers. So thank you for that. Um, well, and, I listened to you. And you're, you're right. Do you really want to do all that extra work and take all that extra risk to make 38 cents in a, mi- a mile where there are jobs everywhere now, some of them paying double that? Yes, yes. And that's why I hopped out of it. But what I was curious about, because I wasn't, all this happened at the beginning of the year. And I wasn't able to file the taxes. So I'm behind on the taxes from 2021 and have wasn't able to pay any quarterly taxes for 2022. So I switched over to company driver and I'm having them take an extra hundred for state and an extra hundred for federal. Yeah. Now that I'm W four or W two employee, sorry about that. It's W four yeah. that you signed yep. up for it. Uh, but it's really impacting my bring home doing that. And I just can't run enough miles to be able to get up and out of the hole. Okay. So I was curious so, if you had any advice on how to get up and out of the hole. Yes. So let's, let's think about what already worked for you and helped you make better decisions. And that was numbers, right? Yes, sir. Numbers helped you make a better decision. So the same thing here, get the tax returns finished so we know what the number is. That's the most important thing right now. Get those tax returns finished. Now we have a number. Now we can say, okay, if we pay this much extra a month towards that number, it's going to take us this long. And now we can kind of pick and choose how much to put towards that debt. Here's kind of the good news about this. The IRS is the laziest um debt collection agency in the world they could care less how much money you owe them they do next to nothing to collect it for the most part and if you are cooperative with them and even attempt to work with them pay them a little bit of money then they they will just let the thing go on for a long long time years so you can, you know, kind of really look at this and go, okay, you know, right now we're probably heading into some tough times. I am going to pay the absolute minimum I can get away with just to keep the IRS off my back for now until things clear up and I I have some other options. The first thing is we've got to know those numbers. Okay. So get the taxes done to know where I'm at. Yeah, and I know the, you know, this is one of those things we really don't want to think about. We'd rather, you know, just go do our job and work hard and make money. But you know this. It's in the back of your mind and it's bothering you, right? Oh, it's all I constantly think about. I mean, it's constantly, it's, I don't know. I'm happy with the company that I'm at about a lot of things, but I'm also not happy about a lot of other things. Yeah, this this is a case where... Making more money. Yeah, I I know it's going to hurt. I know it's scary to think about that number, but I can promise you 
It feels better. We, this is one of those cases we just have to rip off the bandage and deal with the pain short term. Otherwise, you deal with the pain nonstop. It's in the back of your mind. You're not sleeping good. It affects your mood. You're always thinking about it. Get it over with. Get the number. Call me back, and then we'll come up with a plan once we have those numbers. Okay. Can I ask you another question? Sure. I had profit gauges, and I had it set up on my credit card to where it monthly withdrawed from it. Yeah. Uh. And my credit card balance ended up getting over limit and I've got it back down to where I could get it. Uh, and I go back in and I redo the profit gauges. Will all the numbers still be there or yes. will I have to go back through and enter them all back again? No, we, uh, now how long has your account been inactive? Uh, since March or February. Oh, you should be fine. Um, yeah, you'll be okay. fine. I, I, I'm, I should know this, but I haven't dealt with profit gauges in years because we have teams and it's not one of the things I really have to deal with right now. Although we are rewriting it, so I'm a part of that. But I'm sure we have a policy about inactive accounts. And at some point, I would imagine we clear things out and delete. But I, I would think it's probably at least a year. Um, so you okay. should be fine. I mean, I just switched to company driver at the beginning of this month, and I'm starting to get a little bit up out of the hole, but I'm not completely there yet. Yeah. Yeah. So now your your account will be fine. All the data is there. You can go back in and just finish it out. Um, right now, though, get get those tax returns done. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Uh, Matt just sent me some numbers on the strategic petroleum reserves. Um, The levels as of June 10th, we had 511 million barrels. The when it's completely full, it's 714 million barrels. We have been above 500 barrels since 1985. So we are getting down very close to our lowest levels in um, a long, long time. Uh, just about since the time I bought my first truck. Let's uh, let's go to Texas. Uh, there we go. Johnny, welcome to the program. How are you doing, Kevin? Good. What can I help you with today? Hey, well, I got you more, uh, um, uh, health questions. Uh, one of them is, uh, I have real bad cravings for, uh, ice cream, um, like apple pie, cherry pie. How do I, how can I contain it or, or, I don't know how you say it, like, you know, like get rid of the craving or how to contain it, you know, or do I just eat a little bit of it and not, I mean. Well, tell me about your health first. Um, okay. Uh, well, I mean, uh, I talked to you last, last week. Um, I, I'm getting, I just bought your keto, uh, coffee and everything. But anyway, um, I did a NutriQ with Lauren. Uh, I'm the one with the um, bladder and, gall- and uh, kidney problem, you know. Um, 
I did a, a, a Nutri-Q. Uh, I don't know if you have the numbers or if you can look it up, maybe call back another, maybe on a Wednesday and you can look at it. Um, diabetic, um, okay, I got stop gout. That. Stop right there. So, so we have kidney and bladder issues, which is kind of more advanced metabolic syndrome. So you absolutely have metabolic syndrome. You, you, I'm sure you have all the markers. If When you get to the point where you have... Um, kidney and bladder as part of this. Um, that's metabolic syndrome. So do you eat little bits of those foods? No, absolutely not. Not you. Now, if you are metabolically healthy, then yeah, you could. I, um, ice cream is probably my weakness. I make my own so I can make it as healthy as I possibly can. But you can't really make good ice cream without sugar. Uh, and actually, it takes quite a bit of sugar. So it's one of those foods that it's an absolute treat for me. I eat small amounts of it, and I'm metabolically healthy. Pie, I have to believe you're talking about pie crusts that are all made from grain, so you shouldn't be eating those at all, period. Nobody. Um, we do have a recipe for pies that are grain-free. Um, Lisa developed an awesome pie crust that is grain-free, but that pie is still high in carbs. So people who are metabolically healthy could eat small amounts of it as a real treat, but you should stay as far away from that kind of stuff as you can right now. How do you do it? Uh, the, the one thing that I've found that works is look at the foods you are allowed to eat, um, the high fat foods, right? and find your absolute favorites. You know, for me, it's um, baby back ribs. Absolutely love baby back ribs. Um, I love most barbecue. So I tend to focus on the foods I really love that I know I can eat as much as I want. They don't cause me a problem. And treat yourself with those kinds of foods. You know, go out and buy you know, a really nice bone-in ribeye. Right now, you got to go to the bank and get a loan if you want one of those. Um, but but treat yourself to those foods that that are nourishing that you really love, and that helps somewhat. Now, you can also, and I'm not a big fan of this, but you can find the lower carb, very low carb versions of some of these things and maybe eat a little bit of that while you're trying to wean yourself off of this. But th this really does just for the most part come down to willpower. And I can tell you this, the longer you can go without eating those foods, the less you will crave them to the point that at some point, almost everybody I know gets to the point where they really just don't crave them at all anymore. Okay. Now, my question is also, uh, when I eat, when I try to eat stuff like that, like meat or drink tea, uh, unsweet tea, I get gout like a few days afterwards. Is that, I mean, what I, can I do to help with that? We just have to, did, did uh, you did a NutriQ and a call with Lauren. Did she give you a plan? Uh, all she told me was to do the kidney and bladder protocol, do the N NTK, uh, NTK coffee and do a, like a keto, like, I guess maybe like a ketogenic diet. Okay. Well, that's a plan that she covered it all. Okay. Yeah. And, 
ketogenic diets are very, very low carb. So there's your answer. Pie and ice cream just doesn't fit into your plan. Right. And the gout thing, we've got to work through that. You are metabolically unhealthy. So follow the plan for 30 days. If the gout still exists, then that's why we have the one-on-one. So now we can tackle the next problem. Okay. Um, is there a book or a video, I mean, somewhere I can go in, do you know, do you suggest what kind of book to get for a keto diet? I mean, or on YouTube to look at YouTube, like different stuff. Just take our keto course. We have a couple of them. Okay. And where is that? Is that in the, um, in that, um, um, no, if you go to crap, um, go, go to let's truck.com. And look in the menus up at the top, you'll see it up there. Or if you can remember this or record it or whatever, go to learn.letstruck.com. That's Let's Truck University. We have two keto courses and we have a course on metabolic syndrome. You could take all three and it would tell you everything you need to know about what you're going through right now. Okay. And what would that cost me to go to them courses? Oh, I have no idea. I never pay attention to our prices. Um, Yeah, I just don't know. I mean, I I, prices are the one thing I try not to take up any room in my brain with. (laughs) I understand. Okay, so which one would you start with as the course? Is there a certain one you would start with first and then go to the next one and then next one? Yeah, take Keto Jumpstart. Keto Jumpstart, okay. All right. Okay, then. I will do that, then. I appreciate everything you do, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. After you take the course, call me, or while you're taking the course, call me. We can talk about it. Uh, it, The courses, all of our courses, are going to answer a ton of questions for you. They almost always lead to more questions. That's why you can call us here. You can ask the questions on the website, Healthy Tribe, as well. Let's go to Dallas this time. Steve, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Long time no chat. How are you, my friend? Good. What's on your mind today? Oh, well, other than this whole driving experience that you said was going to bite us in the butt, months ago it has. But first, I just want to make reference to your caller that just called. Um, you, you and I have talked. We're both big foodies. And when I fall off the wagon, I always call you and tell you I did it again. And I'm in major pain and I'm laid up for a couple of days. My body hurts. I promised the gentleman that just called, if he listens to you and gets off of the, he, he, if he can do it and get off the, the snacks, he's going to feel so much better in every part of his life. Yeah. There, it's, there's, it's, it's just a, it's a fact. Yeah. Th- there's no doubt. I mean, this stuff absolutely works. It works every time. If for some reason you think it's not working, it's because you're doing something wrong. So call us and we'll figure it out. Completely. One, yeah, one, <laughs> once you get it right. And I, I'm getting ready to, um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with this. I don't know if it's going to be a class, a course, a webinar or something, but uh, I am eating more and more carnivore all the time and the results are pretty incredible um i i you know when i first i i used to say all the time i'll do carnivore for short periods of time i get really bored with it um somehow though 
I'm really pretty heavy carnivore right now, and I'm really not getting bored with it. I don't know if maybe it's because it's summertime and I have so many other things to work on and I'm busy all the time that food has just become kind of a necessity. I know I need to eat. I don't need to eat all that often, which is kind of nice. Um, but I, I'm to the point now where I, I, am, I am much more carnivore than I've ever been. And uh, it's a pretty uh, interesting experience. Yeah, we don't. When and I and I and I'm nowhere near as clean as you. But um, when you eat, when you eat pretty healthy, like I do, eat a lot of protein. And you're right; you don't get hungry as often. Like I tell you, what I did, I got some, and it was crazy. I got some um, sirloin tips, and I sliced them against the grain. Or first, I put them in a super hot skillet. Literally, I did like a minute on each side, seasoned the heck out of them, sliced them up put them with all the juices and everything into a uh, Ziploc bag and put them in my fridge. And they've been sitting, I've been on the road two weeks. They've been in my truck probably 10 days. Last night I opened up that bag. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot they're in my refrigerator. <laughs> I opened the bag up. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got to eat these. So I, did, I put them in the microwave in the Ziploc bag for about 15 seconds. Open the bag up and I just, the smell and the aroma I was like, oh, my God, these are going to be the bomb. Because realize, remember, I under I undercooked them, right? Right. They're way undercooked. So I took four slices of pepper jack cheese, ripped it up, put it back in that bag, and I cooked them at 15 seconds, let them rest, 15 seconds, let them rest, 15 seconds, let them rest. And that, uh, what is that brand, Sieta? What's yeah, that, that, no, that grain-free? Siete seven. Yeah. Siete, yep, I got this. They have tortillas that are a grain-free tortilla. Yes, well, they do. I heat it up. I know they do. <laughs> and honestly, they're really not that bad. What I did was I got them all, the, the last 15 seconds, I threw in two tortillas, and it all got done. I threw them on the, uh, put them all on the tortillas. Oh, my God, Kevin. I put a couple little drizzles of sour cream. I put some habanero sauce. You cannot go buy that in the store. It no. tastes that good it for truck for truck food. Isn't that incredible? I know. I have the oh. the Siete tortillas. I have them on a subscription. I, they just get sent here, yeah. you know, every month because I love having those things around. Um, can I make one change to your routine? Absolutely. Stop microwaving that stuff in the plastic bags. Put it on a paper plate. I know. It's just, I'm lazy. I know. Put Shame it on, on a me. paper plate. I, all, all of those petroleum products being heated up with your food. I know. I'm putting chemicals back in my food. But you know how it is when you get out here. You just get lazy sometimes. I but know. Yeah, and, I do have and, paper plates. Yeah, it just takes a little while to stop and say, okay, I shouldn't do this. What do I need to do to change it? Make sure I have paper plates all the time, whatever it takes. But, yeah, that uh, that you know what, though? And, and you said it. You're a foodie. You know, as foodies, we... I know I've been guilty in the past of overcomplicating foods. I can remember once, um, Lisa and I, for the fun of it, this is the kind of stuff we do because we're both foodies. We decided to um, do an entire meal exactly from Bob, one of Bobby Flay's cookbooks. Um, uh -huh. Bobby Flay makes some fairly complicated food. There's lots and lots Correct. of steps and lots of components. And I, I'm not exaggerating. We did an appetizer, a protein, 
a side and a dessert. Every piece of it was from his recipe exactly. I didn't make any substitutions. We didn't change anything. We did it exact. And I normally don't do that. Normally, I have, yeah. I, I have cookbooks everywhere, and yet I don't cook from recipes. Cookbooks for me are just we ideas. Can. We cook for taste. Yeah, it's just for ideas. You give me an idea right. for something. Give me the basic ingredients. I'll probably alter it. You know, I'm not going to go to the store and buy every ingredient. I'll just make substitutions. I mean, that's typically the way I cooked. This time I said we're doing it exactly. Not kidding. It took two of us one whole day to prepare the food. Oh, we couldn't sure. even eat it that day. We actually had to eat it the oh next my day. Gosh. It was so hard and so complicated. Now, I got it that the food was phenomenal. I mean, it was an incredible meal, but I'm the opposite now. Now, my food is so damn simple. It's almost always pre-cooked proteins like you just talked about. Yeah, my my uh I have I have quite a few followers on Facebook. I know you're not a big fan of that. And I I post a lot of my food cooking and my meal prepping and you know, people just ask me, like, that's, that's incredible. You really cook that every week when you get home. Well, now I get home every two weeks. And, it, you know, it takes me a full day to a day and a half in the kitchen to get me, you know, 12 days worth of food on the truck. But I'll make three or four pounds of bacon. I'll take Jimmy Dean's hot and mild sausage, put it together, make patties. And I'll just break that stuff up, put it on a tortilla with some cheese. And I just, that, I mean, it's easy. And, it's, and believe it or not, it's really tasty. You, uh, so, absolutely. Enjoy yeah, it. absolutely. Hey, you want to know um, one of the things I'd love pre-cooking and having around, and I think they'd be awesome on the truck. I don't know if I've ever talked about them before or not. Have you ever had a scotch egg? Scotch egg. Um, isn't that like really undercooked, almost like a soft boil? Um, it, it, no, the egg can be cooked any way you want. It could be cooked softer. It could be cooked hard. But here's what you do. You... Okay. You, you hard or soft boil the egg first. I, I barely soft boil mine because it's going to get cooked a little more in the next step. And I do like a soft boiled egg. I, I like a runny center even on my boiled yep. egg sometimes. Yep. Yep. So you make the eggs, you kind of play around with it because what we're going to do then, you take that hard boiled egg, you peel it and take your favorite sausage and uh-huh. You make kind of like a giant meatball, but then you put the egg inside the big sausage oh, meatball. Oh, no. Stop it. Stop and then, it. <laughs> and then put those on the smoker and smoke those yeah. till the sausage is cooked all the way through. They are absolutely incredible. Yeah, you take a bite, it explodes in your mouth. Oh, yeah. And you've got egg and sausage. Oh, and Oh, yeah. They are, they're amazing. I bet. Well, I guess we better get to the reason for my phone call because um, oh, okay. I know you got others. <laughs> that wasn't even what I called for. But when you and I get on food, yeah, it, we could talk. I, literally, I think we could talk the whole day because sure. we both have been, been in that industry. Um, so back go. We're going to go back um, seven months when we were kicking butt out here, and oh, Kevin was like, "Put your money away. Put your money away, guys." But you're you're in you're you're in it hard right now. It's it's coming. Well, I don't believe anybody thought, I mean, maybe you did and, you know, the guys that you deal with, but I don't think we realized that the brakes were going to hit so fast, so hard, and so so incredibly uh, crazy. Um, 
the rates dropping through the bottom, fuel going through the top. Um, I, I, I feel, um, and I'm asking you because I know you're real big into numbers. I'm thinking it's the short game right now. Low fuel, short runs, stay close to home and enjoy your time at home. I think a lot of people are going to be going out of business in the next 90 days. Yeah, I think so I, too. I hate, that, I hate um, that for the industry, but I think it's going to happen if you if you don't know where you're at financially. Yeah, it's already happening. In May, um, nine thousand carriers gave up their authority. In May, one month, the a yeah. normal a normal month might be about three thousand, triple what is normal we're waiting for the numbers to come out for june you know when when june's over um i want to see what the numbers are i expect they may even be worse i can't imagine much more than nine thousand, but i expect they'll be just as bad maybe worse um I, I you know here's the thing if you've been paying down debt and saving cash then yes now is the time to start just working less it, it's just it, it, if you can why work so hard when the rates are so bad i mean certainly we got to pay the bills and we got to you know make sure we don't fall too far behind but i can tell you as a company what we're doing right now is we are slowing down work on big projects some big projects are just being shelved completely right now and yeah. we're we're yeah. going to maintain um you know we're going to give our people maybe some more time off here and there obviously paid we're in pretty good shape financially um but I, i'm going to start taking it a little easier i'm going to focus on the show and helping people through this time and you know we have a couple big projects we absolutely have to finish um profit gauges roll out and the infrastructure for our new network but there are projects that we've been working on in the background that i'm just saying look let's just set that aside this one's going on the back burner. This one's, you know, we're just going to cancel it for right now and shelve it. Um, it, it there's, we're cu- coming into a time where it's just not going to be worth it to work so hard to generate revenue. I'm going to spend more time working on controlling expenses and getting stress levels down and maybe just enjoying life a little bit more. Oh, it's... What? Uh-oh, Steve. Oh, you're breaking up really bad. I haven't lost you yet. You still there? I'm I'm going up over here. Can you hear me a little better now? I think you're coming back. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm going to say I was ran right at about um, I eight hundred oh, Steve you know I'm, I'm gonna have to cut you loose I I can't understand it at all I'm, it's you're breaking up at every word um, call me back again you're right you and I always have stuff we can talk about let's go to Michigan Don welcome to the program hi Kevin how are you today good what's on your mind well I heard you talking about food so I thought I'd call share a tip the um heard you talking about the smoker and I don't have a smoker so I'm not sure what to use with that but I cook on the grill all the time and uh, I used to use the apple wood cherry wood chips all that stuff but then uh, my cousin turned me on to pistachio shells 
I eat pistachios like crazy. So I started saving the shells, man. It only takes a couple. You throw it on the grill, and that just adds a phenomenal flavor to any meat. Really? Yeah, nobody ever thinks of it. I, I would have never thought of it, but it's it's like a wood. It, it's I mean, it's just excellent. Since I started using it, I haven't used anything else. I can't get enough of it. Wow. I, well, I've got to try that. I don't eat a lot of pistachios. Yep. I wonder if I can buy shells anywhere. Well, I have no idea. Don't it, hell, you can you can buy one one pop bag, and those will last you all summer. It That's really it true. Take much. I just I throw I, I throw about five or six shells on the grill, and I mean that'll do a whole grill full of meat. They'll all get a just a fantastic smoke and flavor. Huh? Yeah, I I that sounds kind of interesting. You're right. They um that shell is kind of like wood. Don't use the red ones. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Can you even can you even get the red ones anymore? I, I don't know. Uh, my dad, when I was growing up, my dad absolutely loved pistachios, but back then they were all dyed red. I I, I didn't know. I thought that's just the way they came. But you, it used to come off yeah, on I, your fingers think, and everything else. Yeah, um, I don't know if those are still yeah, around I think it or was not. A, I think that was a powder to do with shipping. I think the pistachios used to all come in from overseas, and that's why they had that powder on there. And, I just, I haven't seen that since I was a kid. Yeah, I, maybe not. I haven't, like I say, I don't eat a lot of step pistachios. And it's not that I don't like them. I really do like them. You know the funny thing about pistachios, though? Um, What's that? Well, they're kind of a pain. I mean, you got to break each one open. You get one little nut out of there. <laughs> and you, you always think to yourself when you're eating them, boy, these would be so much better if I didn't have to shell them. But if you go buy shelled pistachios, for some reason, it's just not the same experience. Well, that's right. They do. They taste different once they're shelled. I think it's because of the processing. But then also, uh, busting through the shells, it's almost, I get in almost like a hypnotic trance while I'm, you know, <laughs> doing whatever, watching TV or just kicking back and, and selling them. But I can sit there and eat pistachios for an hour, so it, it, it like, satiates my, my uh, foodie right. drive. Right. But at the end of it, I'm only eating, you know, actually a couple of pistachios. You know, the other example of this, you're absolutely right about that, by the way. The other example of this, um, crab. Like here on the West Coast, I absolutely love Dungeness crab. And this is the only place you can get it for the most part. Um, but it's a lot of work. I mean, you got to pick through. The legs aren't that big. You got to pick them apart. You got to pull these little pieces of meat out of there. I mean, you really have to work at it. And I have a recipe for um, roasted crab with garlic and um, you know, some hot chilies. It's just, uh, this stuff is so good. But I thought to myself, man, wouldn't it be good if you could just sit down to a big plate of this crab and you didn't have to do all this work? So one time I took like <laughs> yeah. four Dungeness crab and I tore them all apart. It took me a long time and I got all the meat out of it. And I had this big pile of meat. When you start to eat it, it's just not the same. It, it, I, I don't yeah. really like, for one, the crab is so rich, you can't eat that much of it. Because one, I load it up with butter, and crab is rich itself, and it's got a ton oh, of cholesterol. Yeah. And I mean, it's just really good. But it's almost like too much. When you can eat that much of it, it, it somehow loses it appeal, its appeal. Yeah, some things are great in moderation, and, and when you have the excess of it, it's, it's overpowering. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love the uh, the pistachio trick, though. I'm going to try this one. Yeah, give it a try. You won't regret it. Will we'll do. Thank you for that. You know, just like uh, book All recommendations, right, 
food and cooking recommendations are always welcome on this show. All right, we are going to wrap it up for today. We will see you back here tomorrow for the Power Hour and the Pit. We'll see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.